So this business idea came out of nowhere. And to be completely honest, it was not fully my idea. Um, I was trying to figure things out and what happened next because my quality of life was more important to me than anything else. And um, I'm about to be 42 and thought that that was extremely important more than making money. So I decided that I would move to Florida because I don't like winter and I would see what would happen. So for one season, I moved to Florida and every single day I ate popsicles. So while I was there, I ate a popsicle that really was just, it really transcended me back to being a kid and to going to visit my grandmother when she lived in Puerto Rico, where there was a lady that sold what is called limber. And they come in every flavor. Some of them are just Kool-Aid with water frozen into little Dixie cups to the ones that my grandma made us, which was a coconut milk based one. And I had this popsicle that was just, it was home is the only way I can describe it. I decided that I was going to just try making them myself rather than spending five, six dollars every single day. So that led to starting to make them and still not knowing what I was going to do next with my career, my job, my life and how to find that work-life balance. My husband, who was here in Asheville still with my daughter and our dog, was just like, what if you came back to Asheville and started a popsicle business. So I Googled a little, found some different popsicle cart options. That idea sprung up in the middle of October, 2019. And by November, 2019, I had a business name and LLC and had ordered my first cart. I have done many different jobs. I'm kind of a jack of all trade, master of none. Um, I've been working since I was 16 and my very first job was delivering Chinese food. But in no way was that a food related job because I knew nothing back then about Chinese food or even that I was specifically working in a Hunan cuisine, Chinese restaurant, that would have made no sense to me back then. I didn't go to college because I thought that making money was more important than spending it on an education. And I've always been a bit of uh, a hustler in that way. Um, and my life has taken lots of turns. Like my sister likes to say that I always step in shit as in a good luck thing. Um, and I don't know if it's luck or opportunity or just my personality or what, but I've just kind of gone from like one great job to the other. I've had a lot of corporate jobs and my biggest corporate job was I was a bond trader in New York City um, and I was working the desk in 2009 when the economy crashed. And what happened was is that in that job, I had a lot of opportunity to eat at a lot of places. And that was when Food Network was really... Uh, different. And I watched a lot of Food Net and started eating more, traveling more, having more means to explore food and places. And my desire to work with food in some way was growing, but I really didn't know which 
way that would really come to fruition. So after the market crashed in 2009, I was watching 2020 and there was a, an episode about obsessive compulsive disorder. And I live with com- obsessive compulsive disorder. And they asked all of the people on that episode, if they had 24 hours to live, what would they do? And none of them actually said they would do their compulsion. And I asked myself, if I had 24 hours to live, what would I do? And I said, I'd, I'd ask for an extension and I would go to Spain and do something with food. So I quit my job. I emptied out my 401k and I, uh, my husband and I and my six-month-old daughter at the time, who we took in a backpack, went and traveled through Spain for a few months. And that's really where I just like made the decision that I was going to do something with food. But at the same time, we were trying to figure out how we were going to get out of New York City. Things didn't go as planned, and I was back at a corporate job. And at the time, I was working for Big Pharma in the legal department. Again, a great job, lots of means, lots of opportunity, eating my way through New York City. There was a point in my life where I was tired of fine dining. Um, And I thought, man... I really just want to go through a drive-through. I've had way too many Michelin-starred meals this week, which is a really nice perk to have for someone like me who grew up on the wrong side of the tracks. That's when the conversation really started about moving, and we decided that it was time to move because our daughter was going to start school, and we didn't want her to be part of the Northeast school system and the rat race and all the things and we wanted her to have a backyard so we decided to move and someone we know um, recommended that we came to visit Asheville and within a weekend we left here with a lease once again I'm very 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 fortunate and have made some good decisions in my life that led me to moving to Asheville without having to look for a job but I thought it was my way of having a clean slate, kind of how people in, move to Asheville and change their name. And they go from you know being Sarah to, I don't know, moon phase or something like that. I thought that this is my opportunity to do the same thing, but with my career. I ended up working at a big grocery chain, which really, again, allowed me to experience food, but from a very different point of view, which was consuming it, but almost consuming it from its raw place, from its place of origin in the sense of like just a banana, not some fancy banana with some fancy sauces and brought to you by some really amazing chef who was going to do something crazy to it in front of you. And that really allowed me to also start thinking more about where my food came from. So from there, I started to grow my own food and really being in a place like Asheville allowed for all of that. With all that said, I continued my food journey and really Buggy Pops has been the opportunity to take all of those things, the desire, the interest, the knowledge, the experience, and put it all together into one thing that really represents all the things I have 
been through, the places I've been to, the entire journey kind of in one place. I was trying to move from many things and move towards also many things. I think that also with the pandemic, starting a business at the same time, um, there was no better time for there to be this kind of huge change in my life um, and kind of leave the old where it needed to be and take with me what I needed to take with me in order to kind of turn over a new leaf. What I mean by that is that I learned from many jobs what I didn't like. And this opportunity allowed me to kind of not to do what I didn't like and do the things I liked as well as switch it up, try new things um, with a little bit less fear because there was no one else to blame but me if it went wrong, which I've done a lot of things wrong, that's for sure. I've learned a lot of lessons. But also the true vision of this business um, has been, again, to achieve work-life balance. I'm somebody that works to live, not lives to work. Um, I've been that person in the past and that's not who I wanna be anymore. This is also very personal. Um, I live with, um, I have all the, all the things and I, I do suffer from seasonal depression. So I was really aiming to have a business that allowed me to be really happy in the summer and get away from winter. So starting a popsicle business in a place where winter is so dreary was kind of perfect. So my season is very short and it kind of goes basically from March till October. So as soon as it starts getting cold, I have the opportunity to flee the winter. Getting the trike was heavenly. I had an amazing process doing it. Things just really started to come together. And I also feel that Asheville is a place that if it wants you here, it'll keep you here. And if it doesn't want you here, it'll definitely chew you up and spit you out. Um, so for me, starting the business was a little bit intimidating, but definitely a task that I wanted to take on. There is no manual that tells you that you are supposed to go here for this number and there for this form and that having a retail license looks different than a wholesale license and that there's, if you work with this kind of food, you get this kind of permit by this kind of government entity versus another one. So that was a lot of learning, which, I'm so happy I have now. I think that this is kind of how, like how some people say that once you have a baby, you forget about labor pains. Um, Buggy Pops is very much my baby and I'm forgetting about the labor pains. It allowed me to really learn a lot about how the process worked. Then I've just kind of learned a lot about markets, the dynamics of that. And there are all these little things, like it turns out that if you bring popsicles to a brewery, you're not gonna sell a whole bunch because people are drinking their calories, not eating them. So it has taken a lot of trial and error, and I'm sure that there's still a million lessons to be learned. There are lots of different processes for different popsicles, but the process in all in all is pretty 
straightforward in the sense that they're being made in a way that is a little different than kind of the big popsicle makers. So the big popsicle makers are using these machines that freeze the popsicles in about 15, 20 minutes, and they can make hundreds of them in a day. What makes Buggy Pops small batch and handcrafted is that I make each batch and I put it in a freezer that is about negative 10 degrees. So it does take about two hours for them to freeze. One of the things that I've learned or one of the many things is dry ice. Dry ice is about a negative 110 degrees. You can't touch it with your bare hands. You have to be 18 or older to purchase it. They sell it at all of the local grocery stores, but I never knew that until I started working with dry ice. But um, dry ice also doesn't get really delivered to Western North Carolina when there is a hurricane. So if there is something going on in the coast and they need dry ice, we won't see it here, um, which means that I can't sell popsicles. So I learned that the hard way last year, and it'll be interesting to see how it plays out this year. I am selling popsicles that cost way more than something you would buy at the grocery store. And the point of the popsicles is that they are unique and that they are made by somebody who cares about food. Therefore, making them look like something that you want to eat. And also, I think that as humans, we eat things that look pretty. They, even if they don't taste good, we pick the pretty ones out first. I mean, that's why people buy vegetables at grocery stores and don't want to buy a carrot that's attached to another carrot. They think there's something wrong with it. So I, th I think that that's part of it and just really a representation of the product and myself and what I'm trying to do. And again, this comes from previous experience. The one word that I continue to use and a word that I would love for other people to use when they are thinking about my business is the word clean. And I think that when you can make a popsicle sexy, there's also a certain level of cleanliness that comes with that. And which is a little crazy because there are popsicles that have cookies embedded in them. Um, or maybe there's one that has milk purposely dripping on it. But the point of it is still when it stands alone that it still looks very clean. The customers are so important. I mean, there's no business if there are no customers, but I am somebody who really loves human interaction. I love the good and the bad I learned from both. And I love knowing things about them. I love knowing their names, their stories, you know, the ones that keep coming, the new ones. I mean, I really thrive in that kind of environment, which is a part of not letting the business grow too much. The more the business grows, I mean, I get asked easily three, four times a week, oh, when are you going to sell these at Whole Foods? Well, at Whole Foods, I'm not going to see the customers. Um, I love the idea of going to the farmer's markets. As the business has grown, I don't want to give up that part. And I also don't want to just manage people. I think that as your business grows, you end up being um, someone who's just managing people and 
doing payroll and HR rather than actually having that connection. The reason the business will continue to stay small, which is not only the part where it is a seasonal business, but the part that I want to have the interactions with the customers. I want to know them. I want to know how their winter was after the next season. But the most important part is that food is my love language. And I think that the exchange between the customers and I is not transactional. And that's not what I want it to be. I understand that there's money involved, but hopefully presenting a product that shows how much I care about food, as well as how much I want to know the customer, it kind of works together in this like circular motion that really allows me to express to the customers how much I care about them with this product. I am the only person that owns this business. I am 100% responsible for everything. There is Instagram, there is marketing, there is photos, creating content. There is the part where I have to manage my time in order to still be present for my home and my family, my friends, myself. I definitely have given up working out a lot because of it. There's also, I mean, there's just like trying to create a little bit of time that keeps me motivated without burning out. And I think that most entrepreneurs can really relate with that. I think that's the hardest part for all of us. When it comes to popsicles, that almost sometimes is the easy part. I mean, I can wear probably four or five hats in one day from marketing, social media, photographer, event planner, popsicle maker. I mean, just answering emails can sometimes be a job in itself. So it's, it's really doing everything and figuring out how to balance all of that as well as keeping yourself sane and again, not burning out. There's community here. Sure. There's competition. There's always going to be competition and that needs to be viewed as something healthy rather than something harmful. And I think that the one thing is that we are all in it together. We are all dealing with the same stresses, especially being in the food industry. I think with the year that we've all had, we are all in the same boat. But specifically working at farmer's markets, I am involved in four to five farmer's markets at the moment. And there is just a level of community that I have never experienced anywhere. And maybe it's because I've mostly lived in big cities and this is the first time that I live in a small city. But Asheville is just special in that way. I mean, I think definitely dealing with tourists is definitely, for everyone, can be difficult. I also think that that was difficult for me as a New Yorker living in New York trying to walk through Times Square. I think that it's quite interesting that as a whole, it feels that people are very into going to new places, but when they come into your place, people aren't as welcoming as you would want to be welcomed in a new place. I definitely experienced that a lot. One of the things that can be difficult is the cost. Because 
people in this area tend to be more of makers and we're all working with our hands. Many of us are. I think that there is a sense of not understanding the value of what people are doing in a monetary way. Um, I mean, I've heard it. Why should I pay for this popsicle when I could go to the grocery store and buy a whole box for the same amount? But there aren't machines making these popsicles. I mean, from the butchers to the people selling the meat, the people making the jams and picking the vegetables who are selling in this area, as well as the restaurants who are really making products that are not just coming off a truck. They are using local farmers. They are using local produce products. I think that that's really hard for the people coming into our area to fully comprehend because they're used to, or maybe not all of them, I'm definitely generalizing, but many people are used to going to maybe a fast food restaurant or a restaurant that is purchasing from just, you know, a big distributor where they can get things for lesser price. So, you know, I was just recently asked if I would make a cherry popsicle. I mean, yeah, I wish I could, but unfortunately I'm not using dyes. I'm not using artificial coloring and pounds of cherries are very expensive. So I actually think I would be doing a disservice to myself and to the customer because it's going to cost way too much money. So I think that the cost of things is probably the most difficult part that all of us in this area are dealing with. I think that it, what it represents is more a sense of pride. It's a sense of accomplishment. I definitely grew up um, in a very blue collar home where starting your own business would not make any sense to anyone. And I think that it didn't make a lot of sense for a lot of my family members. So for me, it's definitely way more personal and it's a, more about the level of pride that comes with succeeding at something that maybe others didn't expect that you could succeed at. I mean, you know, they're the number one concern for many people was how are you going to provide? I think that there has always been kind of this idea. Also, I've been quite the provider with these big corporate jobs and working for very large corporations that has allowed me to really be a provider and starting your own business kind of sounds like you've given up on providing in some way. I actually was thinking about this today while I was doing dishes, which is where a lot of my thinking happens because I wash a lot of dishes. And it's just that it can be difficult to provide, but if it feeds you, I think that there is a sense of being able to provide in other ways. Um, I think that providing is very much put on this, and maybe it does have to do with politics, where providing means a 401k and two weeks vacation um, every year to Disney World. And as I get older and I experience more, providing really has to do way more with the experiences that I'm having and the ones that I can provide to my family opposed to health insurance. 
think that finding that reward, whatever that looks like for you, for some people it is money and that's okay. But as time has gone by for me, that has not fed me. And I think that with everyone kind of being on the same boat of having to go through this pandemic as a universal thing, I think a lot of us have had a lot of time to really focus on what's important. And you realize that you can have all the money in the world and if you didn't enjoy it, then was it all worth it? There's a lot of reevaluating over and over again what does life look like for me and also for my family, but also as a mom, I don't really talk that much about being a mom, but I am the mother of a 12 year old, you know, brown woman or young adult. And I think that that also leads to what kind of life I want to give to her. And the people that raised me, raised me a certain way because they thought that they were doing something better. And I think that we're living in a time where we're realizing that that wasn't better. So it's the time to change it so that hopefully um, having the same intentions that our parents or grandparents had for us of giving us a better life can actually be better. It's important for me to give my daughter what I didn't have and to give her double or triple of what I have had. So I think that that's part of also having a business that really allows me to homeschool my child, to see her grow up, to be involved. I once worked for someone who explained that sometimes you need to have worker bees. You know, you have a queen bee and you have to have the worker bees. And I think that there has to be a bit of a queen bee mentality. Um, and I'm not saying that in a way of like cutthroat of other businesses or anything like that. I think that to have this kind of business or to be an entrepreneur, you have to have a desire to lead. Like right now, I don't have a ton of employees or anything like that. But I think that there is a level of having to lead and having the personality to make sure that you are able to take on the things that you want and say no to the things that don't suit you or your business. So I think that kind of a queen bee attitude is really what helps get you there. I actually yesterday told the customer because they said, which one's the best one? I said, well, they're all, all the ones up there are really good, but I guess if there was a gun to my head, I'd have to pick the coconut cinnamon. And over and over again, it's the one, it's the, it's the one, it's the one that started everything. It's the one that brings me back home. It's the one that makes me feel good. It's the one that tastes the best to me. It's all the things, it's the coconut cinnamon. Over and over and over again, it wins. It, maybe I could start a new business where it's just coconut cinnamon. One product, one flavor, all day, every day. But that's definitely the one for me.